I'll ask anybody's questions but yours, if you're an idiot. My wife can score more than two buckets on 11 shots because I know my wife will at least shot fake one time. I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Welcome you on back to Made for March here, recording on Friday, January 8th here in the afternoon ahead of what will be, it should be another fun weekend in college hoops. It feels like, Ty, we're kind of at the point of the season here where there's a lot of fun games. You don't even have to worry about like, oh, is this an off weekend or is this a busy weekend? Because just based on conference games and the Big Ten, especially when there's so many ranked teams in the Big Ten, you're going to get some good games. And it looks like we should have a couple this week again. Right. It's a great week, but I will say this. It's also a great week for the NFL playoffs to start because the, there's not a whole lot of depth. There are some good games this weekend, of course, but there's not a whole lot of depth to the amount of good games that we're going to see this weekend. So if there's any weekend for the NFL playoffs to be on, I think this is the right weekend. Yeah, that's a good point. There's Texas-West Virginia is kind of the headline matchup, I guess I would yep. say. That's tomorrow, 1 p.m. tip. And we're going to do all our weekend picks, but you're right. There's not a clear cut, maybe like Gonzaga Baylor or, or one of these one. The one versus... to two gap is, is ever strong this yes. weekend <laughs> in terms of the, the, the best game and the next best game. Again, we just rename this podcast. Yeah. One, one to, one two, to gap. two gap. Yeah. <laughs> At this point, it's, that, it's that's been what the this story. is now. Yeah. So anyway, on today's show, here's our docket. We're going to get into some one and dones in just a second. Basically, if you're new to the show, that means. We will each have a couple quick thoughts from the week of college hoops, whether it is games we watched, any relevant injury news, transfer news, whatever that is on our mind. We'll briefly touch on those. Then what we're going to do today is revisit our tiers of joy a little bit. And the tiers of joy is our preseason tiers and rankings that we came up with, and we released them in several different episodes, which now I think we're at a point in the season. We've hit 2021. We can kind of reflect on... Who do we have as national title contenders? Who did we have as the top 10 for our individual rankings? That type of conversation, just how much have things changed? Who has overachieved? Who were we wrong on? Who were we right about? So we will get into all of that and then, as I said, make our weekend picks as well. But let's get into the one and dones right now. One and done, my guys. Obviously, we have one in our conference. It has a doctorate degree in one and dones, right? <laughs> Ty, you want to kick us off with the the one and dones? What's on your mind this week? Sure, I'll I'll start in my home state of Illinois, where it's a battle for state supremacy. It's Illinois, it's Northwestern, and it looks like the Wildcats are going to kind of cement themselves, get themselves back inside the top twenty-five. But so they take a fifteen-point lead into halftime, and then what do you know? Illinois just turns the absolute burners on them in the second half. It wasn't even close. It was an an absolute slaughter in that second half, what Illinois put on them. I, I was texting with some buddies. I was like, oh my God, this is going to be one of those second halves where we're going to see Illinois outscore them like 44 to 16 or something. And then the box score, they outscore them 53 to, to 13 in the, the second <laughs> half. So, I yeah. mean, Northwestern, what happened to your offense there in that second half? They scored five points in the first 10 minutes and eight points in the final 10 minutes of that game. It was well out of hand at that point. The spread on this game was seven, and a lot of Illinois backers were thinking we're tearing up that ticket before the half, uh, and then all of a sudden they're they're trying to tape it back together. It feels like, but I mean, another impressive performance from Kofi Coburn. He was just bullying guys. I think that's something that I don't know if someone just needs to tell him every single game, like, hey, just back You're right. Into I agree. Guys. You can, you can go up and just 
kill dudes, it feels like. Uh, but 18 points, 12 rebounds for him. Of course, uh, Io was fantastic again. He had 15 points to go along with six assists and, and five rebounds in the game. So Illinois, I think, kind of getting itself back on track a little bit. And, and Jacob Grandison, a guy who came off the bench and made a couple impact plays for this team as well. Yeah, I totally agree about Kofi. It's like sometimes I just watch them and I think, just give him the ball. Like, let him go to work. Just He's... let him be Shaq. Yeah. Like, like that's he who he is can in college be that basketball guy. right yeah. now. Yeah. I totally agree. Just from a physicality standpoint, he is that imposing. I do think he looked a little bit better defensively. There were a couple times that he got switched out onto the perimeter and kind of hung with the guard for Northwestern. This game was very bizarre. I don't even really know what to glean from it, other than I guess the fact that Northwestern just kind of has remembered their Northwestern a little bit maybe here in these past couple games. And we talked about how the schedule is going to get a lot, lot tougher, and it was bullish to overreact maybe to what Northwestern did at the start. Although I do think they're still in line to have one of their they're better They're much seasons. better than we thought they were. Yeah. Like, remember, beginning of the season, we always joked that this is a team that is on the brink of relegation every year. Exactly. And <laughs> it's they're, not that. They're not that this year. No, yeah. It's just the way that the second half played out was kind of like Illinois just remembered that they have much better players. And, it, I mean, I've never seen a college basketball game like that. We, we often joke about the 2-H blitz job kind of off the air. That's just... One thing that we see in a lot of these games, and we this saw This was it. an all-timer. Yeah, I mean, we might need this to rename it to just the Illinois blitz job, because this is the yeah. biggest blitz I've seen since I've been watching college basketball. Like, to go yeah. from... 53-13. Yeah. They won by 25, and they I thought they were done at half. How does that even happen? It's a 20-minute half, and they reversed the score that much, from down 15 to, to winning by 25, or whatever it ended up exactly being. But it was somewhere around that mark so yeah i mean we might need to rename the the 2-h blitz job michigan that was another one of my thoughts they also kind of had a 2-h blitz job earlier in the week against minnesota so we're seeing these in the big 10 now and really just i wanted to get it out there that we i just felt like we had to talk about michigan for at least like a couple minutes didn't i was gonna yeah like we just need to dedicate time to them because i was thinking today before we hit record on this podcast if Michigan came in with a high preseason ranking, or if let's just say they were a school that has a little more pop to its name from a college basketball standpoint, it's still a big name school, it's Big Ten, we know that, but there were question marks about them going into the year, and no one really expected this, they would probably be considered in the conversation of, okay, Gonzaga, Baylor, and then Michigan's leading the way for the third yeah, team. Yeah, maybe like, throw Villanova in there too, Texas, Yeah, like if they were Villanova. Yeah, like they should be. Right, if they had that name of Villanova this year, and we looked at their body of work, we would have, instead of what a lot of people were doing at the start of the year, and I don't think we were really guilty of this, because we've always kind of been like, yeah, look at Michigan's stats. I know they played a weaker schedule compared to other Big Ten schools, but like you got to give them credit. They're still winning every game they played. I mean, what are they now, 10-0? It's, and it's now ridiculous. they're crushing teams. Yeah. Like their last three, four, the last four wins in the Big Ten are all by double digits. I never expected their offense to be this good. The way they played against Minnesota, who's no slouch, given the quality of wins Minnesota has had in the stretch that they were on going into that matchup, to just come out, they started the second half on a 32-8 to run or something, and all of a sudden they were up by 20 in that game in the blink of an eye. And I just didn't know their offense had that capability. And at this point, I do think if they were a preseason top 10 team, then we would be talking about them like, like their body of work, what I was starting to say at the beginning of the year, 
a lot of people were saying, well, they haven't played anyone yet. But isn't that kind of true about Baylor so far? Like, I know Baylor has beaten some teams, and like, I, I played think Baylor... Illinois early in the year, too. Yeah. But no, I, I get what you're saying. It, to me, the frustrating thing was we weren't giving the credit to a team that was undefeated. This right. was a team that started what? I think they began the year like 22 or so in the rankings. It, it was in the 20s. It was a classic Big Ten preseason ranking. And they got bumped out of the rankings despite never losing a game. And now everyone's kind of like, hmm, maybe we should have bought into Michigan a little bit ago. And all of a sudden, they've catapulted all the way up into the the top 10. And they're eighth in Ken Palm right now. And I mean, this is a Michigan team that they're going to have a, a huge test from next week. They have the weekend off because of a, a COVID postponement. But next week, they open up with Wisconsin on Tuesday. And I think that's going to be an, a great game, one that we're definitely going to be watching. And I think if they can pull that one off, that that kind of sets them up pretty nicely in the Big Ten. And, and no that, doubt. I think, will will get them the, the credit that they truly deserve. And Hunter Dickinson at this point, he goes for 28 points, 8 rebounds. He's 12 for 15 in this game earlier in the week against Minnesota. He's probably not a first-team All-American, but that's just because there's Luka Garza, there's Drew Timmy, there's even Kofi Coburn. Who, there's a lot of good big men this year, even in his own conference. But he's freshman like, of the year. Yeah, I like mean, he is. The numbers he he's be, putting up. Right. Like, at least on an All-American team somewhere, whether it's second, third team. No I doubt. think he's earned that right. And I Absolutely. I don't know how we aren't talking about him more, like just as a general consensus of, of the college basketball community. Maybe I missed it, but... I just feel like he doesn't get the the credit that he has earned through these first 10 games where he is just Like, been I'm thinking about unreal. some of the other conferences. If he's in any conference but the Big Ten, the WCC, and maybe the Big 12, he's conference player of the year. Yeah. And he's probably not even going to be all first. He might not even be all first team because it's a byproduct of the fact that he's behind Luka Garza technically. And I don't know if they're going to try to squeeze him in and make him the um make him the like the the forward spot of this but he's gonna get screwed somehow out of a, a first team all big 10 i hope he doesn't but it's just kind of a product of that the fact that the conference is so strong where he would be player of the year in pretty much every single power conference this year he'd be the best player in the acc and if i was doing a, be, yeah. a hypothetical draft i would pick him over every single acc player i think right now because who do we think I, was going to lead you. the like Garrison Brooks was pegged to be the ACC player of the year. Right. By and most. we laughed when we heard that initially and we're like, oh, maybe this is the sign that the ACC is going to be down this year. But the way that Hunter's played, I mean, he's the freshman of the year. He's going to be, I mean, he will win freshman of the year in the Big Ten for sure. Going to win freshman of the year in the entire country as well. And I mean, he could be the best player on a team that goes to the final four. Yeah. I think the only other, I'm trying to think of other freshmen, like Curbelo has been really good for Illinois, but. I mean, yeah, obviously, he's, like you think of Cade Cunningham and, and Scotty Barnes and Jay. Yeah, I was thinking Big like, Ten I, I think specific. I do. But yeah. Oh, okay. Big Ten specifically. But would you take him over Suggs in terms of, I'm not talking about an NBA player, but oh. I'm talking about for a freshman, uh, like a freshman of the year. Would you take Dickinson over Suggs? I, I'd still take Jalen Suggs. I mean, I think my personal affinity for him is. The way he plays is just so damn fun. Like, he had another crazy pass this week. And we can talk about Gonzaga because they had a 1-H blitz job <laughs> against BYU. They got up 23-2. <laughs> like yeah. I, Gonzaga, Here's my case for Dickinson, though. Yeah, there if is a case. Let me lay it out real quick. Okay, yeah. Is that 
he is the best player on his team. Whereas Suggs is in yeah, the but... mix for like that team is so good that I feel like he might get lost in the shuffle. But Dickinson is literally hauling these this not hauling this team because he's got a very good supporting cast, but it's nowhere near the level of what Suggs has. Right. I just think if Dickinson was on Gonzaga, he'd be the fourth best player for sure. And if Suggs is on Michigan, he'd be the best player on the team for sure. That's fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I mean, it's a... I think both can be true. Listen, we're splitting right. hairs here with two of the most fascinating players we've seen in the sport. Yeah. On the note of Gonzaga, that was another one of my one and done thoughts. I mean, how can we not talk about them every single week on this podcast? It's getting to the point, though, where, I mean, BYU is supposed to be one of their toughest competitors that they will play in the conference portion of the schedule we talked a lot about will they go undefeated will they not what are the chances i don't think we have to get into that whole thing again but real quick what do you think the percentage is okay now? we can do it briefly i don't know if you've seen it what was it last time i'm it was, I think it was 49 high, percent right? last time 49 percent the oh, last time we gosh. checked in so it's it's got to be you, over you 50. picked off you picked off byu who was uh one of your how many it's, is that one of your five remaining top 70 games you say 58? Yeah. That's just 51%. A okay, wow. I thought they'd give... Just because BYU I'm, to me was I'm a with you, yeah. 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 And... That, that kind of felt like it would be... Uh, it would bump it up to at least mid-50s. Exactly. But. Well, 51 is still just outrageous. <laughs> We're right, in early yeah. January. For, for for reference here, Michigan, an, another 10-0 team, they're sitting at 0.1%. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Michigan's not not in the Big Ten. You're not going undefeated Baylor's, this year in the Big Ten. Baylor's coming up on three percent. Okay, all right. So they might be in second because uh, what's Drake? I mean, Drake's got Loyola Chicago this weekend. They've got them the next two games actually because that's what they're doing in that conference. That's right. But, yeah. So Drake has a point nine percent. Yeah. If Drake gets by Loyola Chicago twice, which I don't really expect, but I am very keen to watch them on Sunday and watch both, both the games teams. are at home too for Drake. They're both in Des Moines. Huh. How's that work? Do they ever go to Loyola Chicago? Nope. They never go to them. Oh, so, okay. So there is it Sunday, Tuesday or Sunday, Monday. It's a Sunday, Monday. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Oh, so they they kind of drew a break there to be not that home court is a huge advantage this year. We've talked about that, but still, I mean, you don't have to travel and then, be in a different gym to go and go against right. Chicago. If they get past Loyola Chicago, it is, it's it's getting kind of real for them. Not I think I... one of the things too with this is that even though you are home for that series, if you're playing the same team on back to back days, it almost feels like that home court gets negated to a degree. Yeah. If you're playing the same exact that team, second game for sure. Right. It, it feels like the whole home court situation is is you, you lose a couple points from it. Right. Yeah, you know, and I feel like every time we talk about Gonzaga, the conversation is who's the best player? And Drew Timmy's been playing great of late for them. It's amazing though, because I would say it's probably Timmy. Timmy is used the most in their offense, and he's probably the most important player for them because if he goes down, or you know, I don't want that to happen, of course. But if something were to happen to him, or it's a COVID pause and you lose him, or something like that then you lose kind of your post presence. And I don't think they have a ton in that department of a post-up guy because Kratrushev is not on the team anymore and, and that right. type of stuff. So I like I think he's the most important player, but I went and looked at Corey Kispert's stats the other day. And let me just read you some of these. <laughs> I'm looking at his three-point percentage right now. Yeah, what is it? I, I saw I wrote it down. This was a couple days ago at 51%. 50 on the dot. 
Okay, so 50 it's on the dot, and he's shot 66 threes this year, the most on the team by far. The next closest person has 36, and it's Nemhard. Okay, so maybe I should just refer to you here. Do you have his points per game? Because I know it's at no, 22. No, because I'm on Ken Palm, and Ken oh, Palm doesn't care about your points per game. I, I hate that. They, they're, but, but we can <laughs> talk about his offensive rating because I think it's still, is it number one in the country? At one point, so he was... So it's fifth in the country right now. Okay, that dropped. I know that right. Ken Palm also will use it by usage too. So he might be, in terms of his usage, number one um, in, in like the usage range that he's in. But yeah. he's fifth in the country right now at an 150.4 offensive rating. Right. I mean, he's probably taken 25 to 30% of his team's shots, and he's got one of the best offensive ratings in the country. And then he's shooting great from two-point range, too. It's not just three-pointers. He, he doesn't even take a ton of shots a game, but he's scoring, I think, 22 points going into that BYU game. And I, you know, He's I just hyper-efficient. Like, yeah. I'm looking at the true shooting percentage here. He's over 75% there, seventh in the country. But... You know who doesn't get enough credit on this team? I think there's a couple guys you can you can point out that don't get enough credit on this team. But how about the work of Joel Ayayi? Yeah, I mean, he just feels like that steady force for them. Obviously, Suggs, Timmy, Kispert. I'd even say like a guy like Nemhard is probably more talented than Joel Ayayi is. But he's that steady, calming force. If they ever do go down or if they ever are playing close, he kind of makes some big plays for them. And then... On top of that, he's a 6'5 guard who's one of the best rebounders on the team as well. I think he's still averaging a double-double. So I, I've just been super impressed with what he brings to the table for this team. He can distribute. He can rebound. He, he can play all three phases that you need out of a, a guy who's a junior on your team. And, I mean, <laughs> he, he can run it back next year if he wants to. Now, yeah. there might be some NBA teams that come calling for him, but... He can bring it back next year. In fact, there's a lot of these Gonzaga guys that can bring it back next year. And I think that's what's going to make them super scary. I would say it's the best team I've watched in my lifetime. And I know you talked about how it's the stupidest team last time that you've watched. In a good way, it's stupidest. Right. But like some people are older than us that are probably listening to this podcast. And I saw the 85 points. I think they hit 86 against BYU. So the first 11 games they've hit at least 85 points in. No team has done that. That's the first team to do it since Arkansas, the Arkansas team that won the national title in the early 90s. And, I mean, that puts into perspective just how good they are offensively. But then you look at their Ken Palm stats, they're 15th in defense as well, along with second in offense. So they're just a complete team. We talked about them a lot, but I not a week goes by where I don't watch them and just stop and think like, wow, I've never seen a college basketball team with this many weapons. It feels... Just very unprecedented. It's a shame that it's happening in this COVID season because a lot of people just aren't really that paying attention. That gym would be rocking. Yeah. Oh, my God. I, that would be uh, – I would love to get out to Spokane and, and, and see a game in person but because that would be amazing to see that, that arena going. But I will say this, and I think I've even brought this up before. What I mean by this is the stupidest team I've seen. There are at least three or four moments per game that I watch this team, and I just burst out laughing. Because yeah. of how easy they make this game look. Right. Well, that's it for my one and done. Do you got any others over there? Yeah, I got a couple more for you here. Um, Namari Burnett is transferring from Texas oh, Tech. Good call. I yeah. think that is uh, that's a significant news in the, the Big 12 and, and to see what he's doing and where he ends up because he can be eligible right away. We've seen this happen with a, a couple of guys so far. Um, and then a couple other things I want to get to. Did you see this with the, the NCAA tournament? It's going to require seven negative tests to participate. Oh, yeah, that's a lot. I saw that. 
But I guess that's a, a pretty big safe. number. But yeah. like, I guess if you're gonna kind of bubble up, because I think everyone's staying in the not the same hotel, but within a, a couple vicinity, a, a small vicinity of hotels. So I, you have to. I mean, th- there's no other way around it. But when I saw that, I was like, whoa, that's kind of a lot. But yeah, I guess y- you have to. That that's the only way that you're gonna be able to do this. And then my last one I got for you here. Tad Boyle, head coach of Colorado, undefeated still at home against Oregon, 10-0 and against the Ducks wow. in Boulder. So how about that? Yeah, that was a tough loss for Oregon the other night. I was starting to buy in on them as definitely the Pac-12 team. But, I mean, it's a tough place to win for sure, so I don't take too much away from them. The other uh, Pac-12 note that just came to mind, uh, Chris Smith for UCLA towards ACL. Right. And I, I, that one really is a bummer because he was the last guy. I'm, I'm almost positive he was the very last guy to pull out of the draft last year. And that was a, one of those that you don't see these very often anymore where a guy goes in, tests the waters, and you think, oh, he has no shot at coming back, and he does come back. He was, by all accounts, projected to be drafted, and everyone thought he was staying in the draft. And it's just a bummer because now he's probably, I guess, going to go to the draft this year off of a torn ACL. And one of my favorite players just to watch and a big reason why I was high on UCLA this year. So that that's a killer for them. And we're starting to see this a lot now. There is very little benefit to actually coming back. Unless you're a guy who's destined for four years, like a Peyton Pritchard or something like that. It's We're starting to see there is not a ton of benefit to coming back yeah. to college. Like I think yeah. of Jordan Wara too. That's a guy right. who probably would have gone in the the first round the year before. And then in a weak class, he drops into the second round. So, yeah, I'm a little little perplexed with the guys that are coming back. You might as well just test it. I Unless agree. You love love college, but <laughs> otherwise, I mean, it makes I don't college basketball reason. better if they do come. It does back. so. Yeah, selfishly, mm-hmm. I'm fine with it, but I also do totally get that vantage point. I also get the vantage point of I'm just going to go to the G League and like Jalen Green did, and some of these other guys are continuing to do, but. Uh, let's shift to the tears of joy here, if you're all good on one and done. Yep, for the that's week. All, I'm all good there. All right, so uh, tears of joy, our preseason tears, we're going to reevaluate where we were wrong, where we were right, and I'll just start off by, I'm just going to give you my, my woodens from the year, which if you are new to the podcast, woodens for us is the national title contenders, the teams that we re- realistically thought at the start of the year, preseason, were in that tier that is the favorites to win the national title and would be able to win it all. I ranked nine woodens at the start of the year, and some of these are going to be kind of funny looking back on it. It's a lot of these blue blood schools that haven't panned out. But yeah, I had 10. I think we had a very right. similar list here. So I had uh, Gonzaga number one, Villanova number two. And Villanova. I flipped that, but this was, remember, when we did this too. Oh, that's, that's right, was, yeah. <laughs> it was it was right before Nemhard announced he was going to or not announced. It was right before the NCAA announced that Nemhard was going to be eligible. Yeah. So I probably I, would have flipped it if had I known that. But Right. I, I honestly think I might have flipped it because of that reason. So I might be kind of cheating here and, and revise the list after we We can hit check the record. tapes. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. we we could. I mean they're out there. If you but either way it was Villanova Gonzaga Baylor in the top three for me. And I think that was everyone's top three. That's kind of held true to form. There's a bigger gap between one and two and two and three than maybe any of us envisioned. But Villanova also is weird because the the pause that they just keep going in. And did you read about 
how they basically were on lockdown over Christmas and it still didn't really work. I was reading an athletic article on this and essentially like these Villanova players all locked themselves in a hotel room or went into a hotel room and just chilled over Christmas break. And the only thing they were allowed to do was meet up with their parents on campus on December 24th and 25th with mask on socially distanced, the whole nine yards of it. So, I mean, that's just such a bummer for those kids. They basically miss out on Christmas because, you know, it's even if you do get to see your parents, if you get to see your family, if you're seeing it that way, it's not really a true holiday spirit. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're on campus. You didn't even get to go home, that whole thing. You're in a hotel room when you're not seeing them. And maybe some of these kids didn't even, if you're an international player, like, then you're, you're just resorting yeah, to Yeah, that didn't happen, probably. Yeah. Yeah. So... That happens, and then they go through all of that, and they still hit a pause because after all that, a couple players tested positive on December 30th. They're right around those dates, and now here is Villanova again on a pause, and you can't really adjust them from the third spot in the AP poll, but they don't have a whole lot of games in sight at this point because of how many pauses they've had. And again, I've kind of been been vouching for this. You go to your, your conference tournament site, and you just kind of have a little... I don't know if you want a round robin or what, but you make them up at the mm-hmm. conference tournament site and, and just get those games in best you can, because you're going to need all of these teams to play that, that 13 game threshold. And it seemed like it was going to be the easiest thing in the world to play 13 games. And some programs are finding out right now. It is not an easy task to play 13 games in this condensed season. Yeah. It's been getting worse for sure. Over this holiday break and everything, there's been a lot more, but I'll just go rapid fire on my last wooden, and then you can give your list. I had Duke number four, has not panned out, really. Uh, number five, Illinois, which I think they, they still have looked decent. I, I still have them cracking my revised woodens, which we will get to. Kansas six, Virginia seven, not so much after how they have played, although they've also been a team hampered by pauses. Tennessee was eight for me, just ahead of number nine, Kentucky, was my final wooden team. So that is the... The biggest omission, biggest glaring mistake, I think, from everyone across the country. And I, I think I even was lower on Kentucky than most by putting them nine. But I still had them as a wooden because I just figured, oh, it's John Calipari and they'll figure it out. And we so, have learned that that was not the case. <laughs> I also had Kentucky ninth. And I'm looking at the notes that I have on this. And I should not have had them in the wooden yeah, conversation. Yeah, me too, when I did that. Because I'm yeah. looking at my notes. You ready? Let me just read off what my notes say, okay? So I have Kentucky, nine. Not sure how the newcomers will fare, but this is a team that brought in transfers. And then I list off some of the transfers. Saar, Mintz, Toppin. Sure. Two top 10 guys, BJ Boston, Terrence Clark in the recruiting class. You really don't know what this team is. 94% of the offense is gone. Most Cal has ever had. And then my last point was, gonna lose some weird games this year, but their ceiling is natty, no doubt. Right. So I had essentially the same thing. I... My notes were just like you. I listed out all the reasons why they could be bad and said all those things. We got blue blood blinded. That's what happened. Yeah, and then I just had an overarching point at the end of my notes that was like, but it's Cal and it's Kentucky and they've been here before. Now, we just completely overlooked the fact that I think COVID is in the offseason really hampered these blue blood teams. And even Duke having them at four... You know, that looks terrible now, and Duke also hasn't played very many games, too. I think they played six total games at this point, but they come back from a pause and barely get by a 2-7 and seven going into the game, BC team. 
this past week without Coach K and John Shire acting as the head coach. So Duke is still probably... Bad week for the... Well, actually, I would say a a monumental week for the, the Coach K successor conversation. When you look at... Coach Collins, he blows that lead to Illinois. You got yeah. Shire. He gets a, a chance in the big chair. Didn't go great. They won, but didn't go great. And then Jeff Capel, a, a shorthanded Jeff Capel team, goes to the Carrier Dome and wins in, yeah. in the one of the 10 biggest comebacks in college basketball this season. I saw Titus and Tate uh, were joking on their podcast that Kara Lawson is, <laughs> has supplanted herself yes. as number one mm-hmm. after... <laughs> Announced that she has canceled this. I got a kick out of that. It was hilarious to hear. But if we really did the successor rankings, I, I do think like Shire, this is a big stretch for him. He's only like 33 years old, though. So it feels like he can't be the guy, but he's the acting head coach right now. So I think a lot of Duke fans are, are very interested to see how he handles the situation. But w- let's get to your original. Yeah, it kind of has the, the Bayheim Hopkins vibes at Syracuse from a couple of years ago. Yeah, that's um, true. And that's not panning out for Hopkins over at uh, Washington right now. Anyway, my list was I had I had Villanova one, Gonzaga two, followed by Baylor at three. I had Kansas at four, then Illinois at five, Virginia six, Duke seven, Wisconsin eight, Kentucky nine, Tennessee tenth. That's pretty solid. I mean, so, outside yeah, of Kentucky. I, mean, the, I really only have three regrettable ones in there out of 10. I'll take 70%. Yeah, that's what Virginia, I have. Virginia, Duke, Kentucky. I feel right. like the other seven of those all have a chance. And, well, I shouldn't say all have a chance because I think it's Gonzaga versus the field. But and then all seven me, of those teams can go to the Final Four. Right. The teams that I had just outside the Woodens was Creighton, who has now won five in a row. They're starting to look a lot better. Wisconsin mm-hmm. and Iowa. So I feel pretty good about those just because Iowa I was lower on. and I So if we wanted to do this whole revisionist history, what was some of your best picks? What was some of your worst? I did have Iowa as a Denny Green, and I think I even acknowledged that I was just sort of playing it because Denny Green's, by rule, I think had to be outside the top 20 because we basically made our Woodens and our Guy Lewis as Woodens was essentially the first 10, Guy Lewis the next 10. In your preseason rankings, at least that's kind of how I viewed it. So I still had Iowa in what was the Guy Lewis tier, but I labeled them a Denny Green because I just wanted to make the point known that I didn't think they could win it all with their defense. And I, I'll i eat crow a little bit on Iowa, and I know that's been a sticking point for us really on this podcast all year. It's just sort of revisionist history evaluating how Iowa was compared to preseason. But I do feel like a part of my pick has been vindicated that I still watch them play and I still have the same concerns about them and I still am hesitant to really go right. all in on But their offense of has just been so good. Yeah. The, like their offense has exceeded expectations to where it has disguised a lot of that. Like they go out and they, they beat Maryland yesterday and I, I'm looking at, uh, so my guy Lewis, the, the teams that can get to the final four, I think my best pick there, I, I had Iowa, but I'm going to say that Michigan was my best pick out of the, the guy list of teams that can get to the yeah. Final Four. I've been high on them pretty much all season long. And uh, I'm just seeing the news come across right now that John Harbaugh has signed an extension with, or, or not John Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh has signed an extension with Michigan. So they're going to need this basketball program to kind of <laughs> uh, mask all the football concerns for the near future. So Jawan, it is now your turn. This is no longer a beeline situation where you can kind of fly under the radar now. Nope, it is your job now to bring the the program, the great Michigan Athletic Department, back to prominence. 
So I'll, I'll give him that. And then I would say my worst ones from the, from the Guy Lewis conversation, I'm torn between Michigan State and North Carolina. Yeah, I had UNC as a guy, Lewis. I had both those teams, Michigan State too. Michigan State has looked a little bit better recently. I'm not totally willing to rule. And same with UNC to an extent because at least they're starting to figure things out a little bit offensively. Playtech hit a game winner for them this week, which was... Yeah, what was that? Kind of funny that that... Talk about a a go-to guy down the stretch. Right, and Leaky Black has been making some big shots for them the past couple games, so... I don't know. UNC's got an interesting game this weekend that we're going to pick in a little bit on this podcast. But I agree. Those were some of my guy losses that I would regret. I was pretty high on Houston, which has panned out. I had them at 15 in my preseason rankings. And Houston is a team that I, when I read it by Woodens, I left them just off it. But you really can make a case that they're on it. And let me just, I'll give you my current Woodens now. After reevaluating everything, this is present day. Here's how I, and I've ranked these in order as best I could, kind of power ranking them. Gonzaga obviously won, Baylor two, Nova three, Tennessee I have four, just because of how filthy their mm, defense okay. is, but probably a little bit higher. And I was higher on them in the preseason than most, I think, and have kind of been beating that drum for a while. So I stuck to them at four. I have Iowa at five, which shows you I'm willing to admit that I was a little bit off on how their chances of winning the national title have definitely increased in my perspective at this point. Texas six, Texas was a team I definitely whiffed on in the preseason. I I was not high on them and just thought it was going to be another one of these Shaka smart teams that like last year, they looked so disjointed and had a lot of talent. It just didn't work out. It has worked out so far. So I have them six Michigan seven. I think you have to put them in the conversation after what we've seen Illinois eight and then Kansas nine, which is interesting because Kansas is really the only blue blood. I guess Villanova, if you want to, they're a they're a pseudo blue blood. Villanova's maybe. a new blood. They're yeah, a new, a new blood. blood. That's a good way of putting it. Kansas is really the only clear cut blue blood. And I look at those nine teams, and a lot of them, and you could group Houston in this category. A lot of them really are just made up of strong defense. Like Tennessee is that way. I think Texas, to an extent, is just a really good defensive team at its core, and that's what makes them. So special Baylor is too, but then it's like, how much can you score? And Baylor has that going for them as well. So they're elevated a little bit. My overarching point is that I picked a lot of strong defensive teams. And then I just have this huge outlier in style, which is Iowa that's at number five. So I don't know what that means, but that's just how I sort of viewed how college basketball has panned out so far. And I would say Illinois also strong. I know the metrics like Illinois defense, but if you watch them, they do have a lot of lapses at times, so yeah, I, I would kind of group them into that the Iowa conversation. For me, again, I, our, our top three are, are the same. Gonzaga, Baylor, Villanova. I don't think there's much arguing there. And then at four, I'm going to go Michigan. I, I really think that they have elevated themselves as the best team in the Big Ten so far that we've seen. And then I'll, I'll follow that up with a couple more Big Ten teams. I, I still have Illinois with a slight edge over Iowa. Um, so there, that's my five, six, then I'm going to go Tennessee, Texas, and then I'll go Kansas. Yeah. I think Kansas still has to be in there, even though it's not a true Kansas team. They don't have the bigs they normally do. They don't have that alpha score, which was a concern going in. It's still Bill Self. It's still Kansas. And I do think maybe this is a, what I fell into in the preseason and I'm doing it again, like the blue blood blindness that I had, because really the teams I whiffed on we're all blue bloods, basically. I mean, UVA is a, is a new blood, and then there's Duke, UNC, Kentucky, who were my biggest regrets of my preseason tiers and rankings. So 
I'm kind of doing it again, I guess, and, and acknowledging it as I do it. But Kansas, I think, still has to be in that conversation. Who was just on the outside for you? Just on the outside for me, uh, I have Creighton there. They yeah. have picked it up. They have looked like one of the better teams in the Big East. But again, Big East always goes through through Villanova. Also on the outside looking in, Houston I'm putting there. I'm also, this is a team on the outside looking in that I think is intriguing, Clemson. I, I really yeah. do think they are on the outside <laughs> looking in. They're right. they're not going to win it all, obviously, this season, but they're an interesting team. And they're one worth noting. And they kind of fit the profile that you're talking about, yep. those defensive-minded teams. The only problem for them is that their offense is outside the top 70 in terms of efficiency on Ken Palm. So it, you're going to have to score at some point when you play Iowa. Like, cool. But if you if you play Iowa well, that means you're letting them score 75 to 80 points. And then it's a question of, can Clemson get 75 or 80 points? And I just don't know if the answer is yes. Yeah. No, The I'm looking at Ken Palm's defensive ranks right now. Clemson number one on Ken Palm defense adjusted. Tennessee two, Texas three, Texas Tech, Baylor four and five, Houston six, Wisconsin seven. Bottom line is you even have like Gonzaga at 15, Kansas at 11. Defense has really panned out this year, I think, because offense, when you have pauses and stuff like that, it's tough to get into a rhythm offensively. So if you have a good defensive team, I just think it's it's more cons- you're a more consistent basketball team if that is what is spearheading your attack each night. Because we know that offense, like a team like Iowa, they can be volatile because they might just not be shooting it well from three that day. Or if they hit a COVID pause, and then all of a sudden all those three-point shooters just aren't in rhythm or aren't really up to date with their touch to the degree of normal, then maybe they'll be more volatile. But if you have a good defensive team and you have length and athleticism, you should just kind of have that each and every night. Right. And that's why that's why a team like Clemson, I think, can they're going to let's say let's say they get into the tournament as a three or a four seed. Like they could beat a one seed and get to the final four or get to the elite eight via that method. And that's why I find them intriguing is because they do have that defensive prowess. And I mean, so far, they have shown that they are the best team in the the ACC so far. Yeah, it's amazing sentence to say i think they were 10th in the preseason poll and virginia was 11th i believe and those are the two highest ranked teams in the acc right now at 19 they each got the same amount of votes in the ap poll this latest one to get to 19 so any other notes from your your tears of joy kind of yeah i'm looking back at a couple of them so uh in the denny green the the category of frauds uh my my worst pick was houston they've clearly shown their way as a team that can make some noise my best pick, though, I think, and I don't know how I did this, Tim, but I picked Arizona. They're they're out of the tournament. They've already self-imposed a ban. I called them a fraud, and they committed fraud, it looks like. So um, Arizona is my best pick of the, the Denny Green. Um, in terms of the bar bias, Rutgers, I, I, I would feel like I was spot on with because they've had a, a heck of a season so far. And then my worst one was Washington. I mean, what happened to Washington? Yeah. They've fallen off a cliff over the past two years. Although bar bias is also just like our opinion of how much fun the team is to watch. At least that's kind of how fun. I treat it. They're not yeah. fun at all. <laughs> that's true. Like, they get <laughs> they smoked can't... every single night. Yeah, they aren't fun. That's true. If you're looking at but if, if people that aren't totally clear are thinking that you were making this the claim that Washington was going to be really good this year, that's not necessarily what a bar bias. I don't know. It's, it's a weird category. 
I my biggest regret is probably just not having Drake and the SoundCloud artists because I mean that's yeah. they are the SoundCloud artists. Like how did we miss Drake that? Drake once and, upon a time was not a SoundCloud artist, but it, it, he could have been. For yeah, no. Right, they, like John Rothstein is is citing a rap lyric from Drake. Started from the bottom, now we're here. I mean, it's just such a mess. Do we have to? We, are they the honorary SoundCloud artist pick every year? I think you know? so. Yeah, because this is the definition of SoundCloud artist. Like when I think of it in my head, it's not necessarily a team that could win it all, but it's just like, oh, look out for that team because you're not thinking about them, but they're going to be a talking point this year. And here we are talking about Drake basketball. Almost the way that we talked about Dayton. Dayton was like a legit team, though, like really strong last right. year. But and not that Drake isn't a legit team. Like Drake is yeah. an at-large team. They've worked their way into that conversation. But no, I'm with you. I think the one that we did hit on though was was St. Louis. They're yeah. seven and one, top thirty in Ken Palm. I know the one that I whiffed on was Northern Iowa. They look awful. Yeah, everyone's seven did. right now. But right, hey, I had them happens. too, but. They lost AJ Green, and I mean they did look terrible even with him. So there's that's not really an excuse, but yeah, that weird sort of looking back on Northern Iowa, they were supposed to be much much better this year. Some of my Denny Greens that sort of panned out, I would say LSU because I talked about them recently on the pod. They still just baffle me when I watch them, almost like Memphis. It's like how do you have this much athleticism, this much talent, and you just can't win games? And Memphis. They're top 10 in defense right now on Kempom, but their offense is so, so bad. And I just, I'm so sick of watching Memphis and hoping that Penny Hardaway is going to kind of bring them back after he just the got an extension talent. too. Yeah, I, it, it makes I, I no don't sense. understand the extension, but may, maybe right. he's drawn the, the eyes of, of the Memphis fans. I don't know. Yeah. I will say another team I was high on that I just want to shout out from this past week, Alabama. I went. I've been, it's been a roller coaster with them because I was high on them preseason. Then I was like, you know what? I'm done. I, I hate like <laughs> I'm st- I'm stopped rooting on them. Like Nate Oates is, is turned against me and all that. And now they're starting to play like the team. I think I envision them playing like when they rattle off a win against Tennessee and then they just crush Florida in a big. You're SEC only saying game. that because he called out Coach K. Yeah, like yeah, that, that's sure. why you like Alabama again, right? It maybe helps. I see right through but... this. I see right through this Tar Heel Tim. But, like, they should be good. That's That was my whole no, thing they in the preseason. Yeah. So, <laughs> they definitely should be good. Yeah. So here they are looking like the team that I think we've all expected they could get to for at least a little bit of time. And I think they're definitely a team that once the March bracket comes out and everyone's off to Indy and everyone's taking their seven tests to get ready to go for the tournament, I'll be circling them as maybe, like, a fun oh, they could go to the Elite Eight if things sort of align. And their bracket meets the test of, yeah, I could see them getting past these matchups. So they don't just run into a tough region or something like that. Or they could also just get blasted into the That's sun true. first yeah. round too by like Rhode Island. Now that I'm I back in on them, too. they'll they'll start playing terrible. That's kind of how these these things work. But um, you want to do our, our weekend winners? Let's get to and, the picks, yes. Yeah. All right, weekend winners and Warriors. Time for us to pull up the picks here and... Last week, we, we introduced a new wrinkle of how many games will be canceled each week. I think we're going to stick with that. I decided, Ty, that it won't impact our record because I kind of want to know just like how I picked games, if that makes right. sense. But if you get mm-hmm. it right, you get a point. And if you don't, you don't get the point. Basically, that's how we've gone for games this year. Essentially, if you're new to the podcast, you pick the game right. It's the top 25 and in, in close games going into the week. If you pick it right, you get a point. If you and then we each pick one upset pick, 
that is a team that's unranked to beat a top 25 team from the weekend. If you get that right, you get two points. You've hit three two-pointers this year. You hit Oklahoma last week. Woo! Yeah, and that's Smoking really been right now. the the big difference for you. You're up by six points. I mean, you have 20 points. I have 14. I'm 14 and 11 on the year, but I've not hit a two-pointer. You're 16 and nine and have hit uh, three two-pointers. You had a right logic wrong pick, though, last week with Providence. Yeah. They're, they're cruising for a good portion of the game. And right. then and that's kind of been the story cause... of... I mean, we've been spot on, I'd say, with the upset picks. It's just will they win the game or not i think all of them have been close yeah none so. of the teams that we've we've picked again or none of the teams that we've picked in the weekend uh warriors the upsets none of them have just got gone out there and gotten crushed right so anyway uh this weekend we talked about the headline matchup number four texas on the road at west virginia west virginia down uh oscar Tshibwe, which is a big loss for them especially in this game because texas has so much front court size even though it's on the road i don't think road matters as much and i'm gonna ride texas here i picked kansas last week and that burned me so this is this was the toughest one to pick out of this group of games because i do think west virginia is still really good and i just worry about west virginia without without oscar in this game because now you're they've been kind of experimenting with like a smaller lineup and I don't know if that really works against Texas. Right. And I was going to kind of echo the same things. I like Texas, too, for a lot of the same reasons. When you look at how everything's kind of shook out so far, I mean, we've seen West Virginia have their struggles. I know they did have that big comeback against Oklahoma State, but I'm with you. I think that the Texas size is going to overwhelm them in this game. I mean, the the average height disparity between the two teams is pretty significant. You've got... A team in Texas, 39th, and then you got West Virginia, they're 86th in the country. And I think that number still includes Oscar Toshibwe in, in the, the numbers there. So I would look out for that because I, I, I think that this is a, a good spot for Texas and they can really take advantage of some matchups and some depth at the center position as well. Yeah. All right. Minnesota at Iowa. That's number 16, Minnesota at number five, Iowa. Who do you have in that one? I like Iowa in this one. Again, the this Iowa team, they can shoot the lights out. And and Minnesota, we've seen, can do the same thing right back at you sometimes. But this game is in Iowa. I'm I'm riding with uh, the Hawkeyes here. They feel like they've kind of found their groove a little bit. And I feel like Minnesota is one of those teams that's going to start regressing towards the mean at a certain point, back to kind of who we thought they could be. Again, We I think we both thought Minnesota could be a solid team this season. But... I'm looking at this Iowa team. I just think they're far superior. They've got the better players out there on the floor. And the games that Minnesota has won, it's because Marcus Carr, the star power, can be overwhelming. And right yeah. now in this game, Iowa's got a, a clear star power advantage. Minnesota's a tough team to crack. I do think their real ranking right now is probably more closer to 25 in the nation if I were to power rank all the way down. So, I would agree. Mm-hmm. So this, it's a little misleading when you see number 16 at number five for me. I'm going to pick Iowa as well. I think it's a no-brainer. I, I wonder what the spread will be, but I would imagine they're at least seven point, six-point favorites maybe, somewhere in that range. Here, if you stall, I can I can call it up real quick. Okay, well, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll get to the next game, and then maybe you just cycle back to it. So Ohio State is on the road at number 15 Rutgers. This is another intriguing Big Ten game. Ohio State is not ranked, so... We're cheating a little bit. Usually we just do the two ranked teams that are playing each other this week, but we added a couple extra games because I do think these two are going to be fascinating to watch, these next two that we're going to get to. But first, Ohio State at Rutgers. I'm going to take Rutgers. They're a better team to me. Ohio State is another team, like most of these Big Ten teams, that 
it's like any given night they could beat anyone, but I also don't really know what I'm getting from them most nights. I just think Rutgers is more of a known commodity. I know what I'm going to get from them, and I can trust them a little bit more. I also like Rutgers in this game, and also worth noting that uh, C.J. Walker is going to be missing a handful of games moving forward. He's got a torn ligament in his hand, so that's a big blow for this Ohio State team. Um, and yeah, no, I just think that the matchup's pretty good here for Rutgers because they stack up well defensively. And I'm looking forward to seeing the, these are two very tough teams and I'm looking forward yeah. to see how that plays out. By the way, that Iowa, Minnesota game, that's Sunday. So there is no line on that quite yet. Oh, right. Okay. Is there, we could try and dig up a Ken Palm projection, but that's, it's it, not, I think it had a, deal. yeah, I can do that real quick for you. Um, well, get, get to the next game, but yeah. Yeah. I'll, okay. The next game for you is and this is our final weekend game before we get into our upset picks here this one was the toughest one for me to pick and i'm still kind of actively deciding who i'm picking as i'm talking here it's been that tough but number 19 All Clemson. Right, I, I can lead it off for you then okay number 19 I, Clemson is at unc who do you got i like carolina in this game and wow, by the way okay. that that unc or that iowa game is a eight point projection in favor okay, of yeah. iowa so um, i figured but I like UNC in this game, and I think part of the reason why is the fact that Clemson has not been very good at rebounding the basketball, and that's one place where UNC really has thrived. So despite all of UNC's struggles this year, I think when you get the big guys going, and maybe you can use that to your advantage and get a guy like Amir Sims in some foul trouble too, you can roll out Baycott, you can roll out Brooks. Say what you want about UNC, they have gotten a little bit better. From, from what they were to begin the season. Now, the offense still isn't shooting the ball well, but it has gotten slightly better. I mean, Caleb Love isn't shooting 11% anymore. He's shooting 18%, which still is awful, but it, it, at least there's some signs of improvement now. So I'm looking forward to seeing what what they'll bring to the table in this game. Um, but I, I think, too, that when you look at a, a team like UNC, sure, they might turn the ball over a little bit, but I think that their depth is going to be ultimately what can overwhelm this Clemson team. I'm going to take UNC too. It's probably Tar Heel Tim Bias here. It is kind of tough for me to visualize UNC scoring too many points because Clemson, like we said, has literally the best defense in the country on Ken Palm, and their guards are so good, and UNC's guards have been so bad just scoring the basketball at all three levels, basically all year long to this point. But, I mean, part of me just feels like Clemson can't stay this hot. Like, I, I don't know. I, I it, it goes Plus, back to... Plus, is Roy going to be able to stomach losses to Clemson in back-to-back years? Right. It, and no, again, at home... I, I don't see it happening. Yeah, the, this is the matchup that was 56-some-odd years or something where Clemson had never won in Chapel Hill. Are they going to do it back-to-back years? I find it tough to believe. UNC is just so much more talented that if they lose this game, it's really like... And and they should lose this game because Clemson is a better team than them objectively this year. But at the same time, this is kind of a gut check. Like, okay, UNC, if you really want to be something this year you got to win this type of game. It's a team that you normally beat up on in program history and lore and everything, and you're just more talented than them. You're at home. You really need to win. Clemson has been winning a lot of these games already that it almost feels like they're kind of due to lose one. So I'm going to take UNC, but part of me does feel like I'm going to regret it because UNC's been bad, and Clemson's just been objectively very, very good. And I do think the guards matching up against Caleb Love and 
the only thing UNC can do is uh, my hope is they just get down the floor quick enough to where Clemson isn't set and they make this a fast-paced game and gets Clemson out of whack. I think another factor here too is, I mean, Clemson has not been great on the road so far. I get it's only been two games in, in the conference, but on the road, they lost against Virginia Tech for their only loss so far this season. And then they played really tough with a, a not-so-great Miami team. So uh, that was ended up being a one-point game. And really, Miami had Clemson on the ropes for most of the game too. So I'm... I think this is going to be a close game, and I think UNC pulls it out because, like you said, I feel like Clemson's kind of flying a little close to the sun, and eventually it's going to come back to burn them at some point. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Who is your upset pick of the week? I am going to go out to the Pac-12 for this one, Tim, and that is where we will find the Utah Utes taking on the Oregon Ducks. This is a Utes team that does not turn the ball over very much. They're top 10 in the country in turnover percentage, and I think this is a game that they can kind of make it a gritty one. They can turn it into a defensive showdown. It's their first conference home game of the season. And guess what? They've got one of the best metrics and one of our favorite stats for this 2020-2021 season. And that is minutes continuity, 12th in the country. Oregon coming off a, a little road uh, loss so far to, to Colorado. Again, it's the, the Pac-12 swings that we see. So you got Colorado, you got Utah right here because I guess the Wright brothers are still flying these planes. And to me, I I also kind of look at the Pac-12. It, it kind of has a Noah's Ark feel to it, right? You're going to win two, you're going to lose two. Everything comes in pairs. So it, we saw Oregon lose to Colorado, and I think they're going to follow that up that act with another loss, and this one's going to come to Utah. That was my upset pick, too. I, I didn't really have any Did we others literally that... agree on every single game? Oh, my God, we did. Yeah. Well, this Why did we even do now? this? This was just a waste of time. <laughs> I, I maybe oh, wow. I should pick a different game so I can try and catch up. Uh, let me sift through here. Like I, I will just say si- this: there wasn't a yeah, not yeah. a lot popped off the page for me this week. Should we should we each make a, a bonus upset pick? Sure, I think that's what we have to do. Okay, all right. And I, I I'm about to say it, and I don't know if I should. BC at it. home against number twenty two Virginia. Not gonna lie, I was eyeing that one too. Um, well, we can't pick the same one. That we can't both the pick that one. Um. All right, let's see. How about this? I'll, I'll give you Iowa State. They'll take down Texas Tech. Okay. All right, I'm going to go for BC. That I mean, what an idiot pick I'm making here. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm taking Jim Christian and the 0-4 Boston College Eagles, but they almost beat Duke this week, and I, I'm not totally sold on Virginia, and I think that just almost kind of reeks of a trap game a little bit. But, yeah, I don't – why am I taking BC? This there is, you go. Bonus yeah. picks for all on a, a on a light slate this week. Oh, how many games will be canceled of the four that we laid out here? Of the four that we laid out, I'm going to go... You know, know, I'm going to be optimistic. I'm going to say zero. Zero. Yeah. 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 Let's be optimistic. I mean, it's Friday. Like, we would have already maybe heard of one. So, yeah. I'm going to be optimistic and say zero for that. But those are our weekend winners and our upset picks, plus our bonus upset pick of BC, which I... I still don't know why I picked that. Anyway, that I mean, we're just gonna... sitting around the fire holding hands singing Kumbaya right now with all of our agreements. Yeah, essentially. This is I can't catch up to you if I keep just taking the same picks as you. But I also feel like if I don't take Utah, you're gonna get two more points there, and then I'm really dead to rights because that's the only logistical That option, is the so. best upset pick of the weekend, by yeah. the way. Utah and, over Oregon. Right. I think we're in agreement with that. So anyway, enjoy watching the games this weekend everyone out there we're going to tweet out our picks as well 
uh, as we always do at our Twitter page at made the number four March. You can follow that and also leave a review on the show. If you have a time to do so, give us any sort of comments, feedback, whatever, any sort of topics that you'd like us to discuss on the show. That is all welcome. And enjoy the weekend of college basketball and also NFL and just a, a nice sports weekend that we have ahead of us. That's going to wrap it for this week. We'll be back on Monday for Tyler. I'm Tim. We'll talk to you guys then. The game was over. 